Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hello. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. We're here live to talk about sensitive and spirited kids, how we can show up differently to raise a different generation. Also, we're here to parent for sanity and social change. We're talking about the day-to-day shit that changes us. <laughs> and also thinking about the ways that we're interacting with our kids that can contribute or undermine the social change that we hope as progressive parents, as progressive people, as, as privileged people, as activists, as super white people. Let's get on top of this stuff. We're here. We're excited. Thank you for joining us. You're rolling in. Hi, everybody. <clears throat> Reach out. Let us know what's happening with you. How are you doing with your sensitive and spirited kids? Where are you struggling <clears throat> to not uh, embody white patriarchy in your daily discipline? It's all in there. We're all programmed, right? Mm-hmm. I think when we became parents, <clears throat> many of you are familiar with this. Uh, we talk about it all the time because, like, why not just keep talking about it so it actually gets in there? It's helping us a lot. Yeah, to repetition. Say, we got this toolbox, control-based toolbox, when we became parents. We didn't need it, really. So the audio's poor. I'm going to pull this thing oh. out. Do it. I'll figure this out later. Oh. Oh. Thanks for letting us know. Yeah, we have a new mic situation, so. <laughs> hey, everyone. Keep talking. Tool, control toolbox, Kel. Oh, yeah, we have a control-based toolbox. Yeah. Consequences, on my terms, now. Threats, rewards, overpower, <laughs> lectures, spanking, shame, blame, um, timeouts, consequences. All of those things. Sorry, this is a little bit noisy, probably. Um, we're handed this toolbox that says, here yeah. you go. Continue to uh, perpetuate structures 
because of oppression and racism that you don't believe in because that's all people know how to do in their parenting. Right. That's okay. We're all victims of this. And there are people in the world who are more victims of this, of, of what we might be perpetuating through these practices. Do we need to do timeouts, shaming, blaming, all of these things in, in the name of teaching? No. We no, don't. we don't. We don't. That's what's so amazing about all the research that's coming out, all these more conscious, um, evidence-based, sensitive, um, evidence-based, gentle parenting, uh, respectful parenting resources that are saying, actually, we're figuring out ways to teach our kids to move through the fucking day in a way that doesn't make everyone feel like they're losing it, mm-hmm. right? There are other ways, and that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. We're here to talk through examples. We're here to help you with our, your mental mantras. We're here to yeah. give you some some verbiage, some words, some phrases that might help you. And we're also here to work on your on your mind game, right? I feel like this is something that comes up in all my favorite sports movies. They're like, where's your head? Where's your, where's your game? What, what are you stepping into? Who do you want to be? What, what do you want to project? Right? What's your hero story? Mm-hmm. Right? Love it. So we're, we're here to work on that too and think, who do we want to be with our kids? How do we want to show up? Not just in the happy moments, yeah. pushing them on a swing, um, skipping along, you know, working on homework. That actually is pretty fraught lately for people. Um, all those happy moments, sharing ice cream, snuggles, reading a book. How do we want to show up in those ways? I think everyone's pretty clear. How do we want to show up in the ways when we want to scream, when we want to slam doors, when we want to give cry, cry when we Run want away. to, uh, yeah, get our hands on our hips and make this little person who's doing their best all the time feel less than us. Yeah. Just so natural. That's how we think kids learn, right? Is mm-hmm. feeling worse about themselves. Yeah. That's how, how we're uh, conditioned, right? In our culture to think that uh, punishment is how you teach. And it's mm-hmm. not, absolutely not. That's the, the punitive justice uh, standpoint of philosophy. Mm-hmm. How's that working for us right now as a country? How's yeah. that working for people? Not well, mm-hmm. for centuries, not so well, right? So we get the chance to reinvent our parenting from a transformative standpoint, from a restorative standpoint, to mm-hmm. say, we can go about this differently from the yeah. ground up, raising these kids differently. Yeah. Someone says, gentle parenting for the win. Yeah. And gentle does not mean permissive. Yeah, that's right? something that we talk about the little voice on our shoulder, the little patriarchal voice, the, the kind of systemic racist voice that says, but that's so permissive. You can't just be gentle all the time. Ugh, if you're not you know, harsh and firm and stern, they won't know what they're doing is bad. And we want to prepare them for the world, right? We've got the best intentions as parents. Um, but that little voice can be there. We're going to notice it. We're going to make friends with it, but it's not going to control us in our parenting anymore. Right. Folks are talking about timeouts here in the chat. They're saying, I got shamed. I got blamed. I used to get timeouts all the time, but uh, it's only bad for the mental health. They teach you that nothing matters, not even any mental health. And you have to go to therapy for the rest of your life. Yes. Right. We don't need to, to, um, sign our kids up for that if we can. And someone else said our mental health is very important. If you're not happy, how can we make our kids happy? Right. Mm-hmm. It comes from the parent, right? We're parenting from the inside out. We're raising a kid from the inside out. Yeah. We can't show up well if we're not doing well, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of that is trying to take care of ourselves. People talk a lot about self-care, also super privileged thing to be discussing. Yeah. Um, but even self-care aside, a lot of what we try to focus on here at Upbringing is clicking into the mental roles that we want to be, working on our self-reg game, right? <clears throat> when our kids are wigging out and struggling, misbehaving, saying mean things, having these big splashy feelings, how can we show up in a way 
that's going to help and not hurt? How can we show up in a way that's going to build skills and not undermine those skills? How can we show up in a way that's going to keep us connected and keep our attachment strong with our kid? And that puts the pressure. Sometimes it feels like pressure and a responsibility. Other times it feels like this amazing opportunity. Calling out, calling in. To be growing ourselves, to be saying, how can I calm myself? How can I work on my beliefs? How can I be thinking about these things from a different standpoint that's going to help the way I show up in those moments to make everything feel better, to make everything um, work a little more smoothly? How can I find a way to meet my needs personally Mm -hmm. that's not asking my child to do that? That's a big one for you, Hannah, is our children do not have to meet our needs. Our children do not have to meet all of our expectations. And we've been conditioned to think that our children need to, to, to fulfill these expectations we have. Something we were going through earlier today, and we'll start with that before we dive into, um, well, someone else mentioned something here too. So I want to make sure we get to people's questions. Type away, you guys. Yeah. Anything going on with your sensitive and spirited kids, let us know, especially around the big feelings mm -hmm. and challenging behaviors. That's like our happy place that we love exploring with you. Happy, sad. But we also have a DM we want to explore about mean words between siblings. So we're going to get into that in a minute. Something that we were struggling with today is transitions between our amazing caregiver, Catherine, who's with the kids for a chunk of every day and kind of dividing and conquering our four kids away from that. At a certain point saying bye-bye. Okay, time to split up, time to move on, time to go back to our homes, all the things. And it can get pretty hairy. And I think that's something we keyed in so much tonight, Hannah, too, was this idea that like, gosh, as parents, we've got these expectations and these personal needs up here. Really high. Yeah. And then we've got a lack of skills, patience, connection, very low, way down here. And basically the gap, that mm-hmm. gap between those two things is the shit storm that we endure on a daily basis. Over and over, over again. Over and over. <laughs> right. So how can we be working on bringing our expectations and our personal needs down and bringing our skills, our connection, our patience up, right? How can we close that gap? So if any of you have a transition mm-hmm. issue that's going on right now with your toddler, with your child, with your, um, your adolescent, let us know about it. And maybe we could unpack what that means with mm-hmm. the high expectations and needs, the low patience and innovation and how we want to flip that model. Mm-hmm. Basically the opposite with higher patience, right? Higher innovation. Or just close that gap. Lower. We're working on the metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) We are. Absolutely. Someone said here, let's see, I've got to do a little, a couple waves. Welcome everybody. We're talking about the big feelings and challenging behaviors of our sensitive and spirited kids. For those of you listening listening on the podcast, thanks for tuning in. Um, We do not script these episodes or prepare for these. Improv Central. Just putting that out so someone said eight month old baby and just learning about spirited children. I don't want to leave him with anyone because I don't believe they will give my baby the attention they need. And I'm happy to be here. Welcome. See you, Jess. Um, the attention they need as in, uh, they may be a little spirited. They may be a little high needs compared mm-hmm. to what other people are used to. And you feel you're worried that leaving your eight month old with somebody else would maybe mean their needs aren't being met. Mm-hmm. They're they're not being seen to in that way. That's such a normal feeling to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mama yeah. bear, like coming in strong oh, saying, gosh. Hey, yeah. I mean, um, my, both of my kids, I would, I would call, I'm not sure they would identify this way themselves as sensitive and spirited. And I've, I've had personal stress in leaving them with other people worried yeah. about my child and their experience, worried about the caregiver and their experience. Will they yeah. ever want to be friends again? How, like, how would that go down if I'm not there to support? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in general, when we're talking about babies, 
something we've been working on a lot through our right from the start baby course, which you can check in our link in bio, um, is about focusing on pockets of connection for our babies through caregiving activities and then letting them do their thing in the other moments. And that's really countercultural. It's really backwards to think as parents or caregivers, we don't have to be giving our babies constant attention. And I'm not sure that this is what you are suggesting that you want your baby to have the attention they need. So we don't know their needs specifically, but it Mm -hmm. is a pain point that comes up with a lot of people saying, gosh, I feel like I have to constantly give attention to my, to my baby all the time or my my child child all the time. I think there's also that feeling that we need to be with our baby toddler child all the time as well. If Mm -hmm. we're a good parent and that is absolutely not true. It is quality over quantity when it comes to our babies, our toddlers and our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that, uh, if you're concerned about are their needs getting met with a caregiver, hang out with them with the caregiver. I think Mm -hmm. it's so easily programmed in our mind. We're like caregiver comes over, I leave. And then mystery, no idea what happened. Anxiety, get a little report later or whatever. Mm -hmm. We wait for the text. And I think that if you were able to acclimate your baby uh, and the caregiver and yourself to someone else watching them, you could maybe feel a little bit more comfortable over time, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just an idea. Uh, it's such a normal feeling to have. We um, we understand you and we're, we're so grateful you're here. What else is going on, Cal? Oh no, I feel like we should bring up the, um, we've been dropping little little hints through stories about a lot of conversations that have been stirred up this week based on a post we did saying that our kids have the right to feel anything they want to feel. Our Mm -hmm. kids have the right to storm off, whine, roll their eyes. Um, What uh, basically think of all the things that are the hardest to support. (laughs) Our kids have a right to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And we, we talk about our freedoms model, which you can download on our website. We've identified these 10 freedoms for our kids. Basically all of these realms of their life that we start out when they're infants really responsible for and in control over. And then as they get older, we start this kind of this very fraught, very um, anxiety provoking often um, act of separating and of, of helping them become on their own and of doing that dance of what's my job, what's Allowing your job? Allowing them to become on their own. And these realms of their lives, their freedom to speak, to feel, to move, to play, to nourish, to express, to know all of these realms that we tend to in that pulling apart and away process control the shit out of mm-hmm. naturally, right? We've, we've got a responsibility. We love them so much. We've been trying to move through the day, all these things, right? So that's what really came up this week in a lot of our yeah. Instagram posts were people saying, but they can't say those things for so many <clears throat> reasons, but I don't want them to be self-centered. I don't want them to be selfish. I don't, I don't want them to think the world revolves around them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of these things can come up in sibling struggles, Mm -hmm. not just interpersonal between child and parent, but witnessing this Mm -hmm. between two of your kids that you love so much and want to to love each other and be best friends and Mm -hmm. give speeches at each other's weddings and like hug and all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, Gina, you said, as a conflict avoidant person, sibling struggles are rough for me. When one just seems to be poking the other until someone explodes. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the beginning of this conversation is saying, yeah. why are we all so conflict diverse? Mm-hmm. Why? And it's seriously, I think because conflict was not handled well by the people in our lives earlier. Naturally, generations on generations and generations say, la, 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 ba, 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 la, 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 ba, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Not wanting to deal with it. It feels bad. It feels hard. And now as parents, we're standing in this space, this inherited legacy of, how do I move forward and through this in a way 
that's going to be kind of interrupting those cycles. Well, and the reason that conflict is so necessary is because it involves needs. Mm -hmm. And when we're conflict averse, we're also therefore needs averse. When we can't engage comfortably with conflict, we can't comfortably assert our needs and listen to other people's needs. And that's what a conflict is, is two people's needs that have yet to be met, right? Mm -hmm. Based on the skills and the connection they have. And so that's why conflict, it's so necessary that we engage our kids in conflict in the most positive, uh, safe, neutral, right? Neutral way to tell them not just conflict is okay, but your needs are okay. This mm-hmm. other people's needs are okay. Mm-hmm. And that is why Kelty and I love talking about siblings because it's one of the first opportunities that we get to say and show our kids through our approach and our response that needs are okay. Your needs, what were you needing? Your and needs, what were you needing? Conflict in, <clears throat> in general is okay to have. That's how needs get met. But that's working backwards from the assumption that the expression of those needs it has to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like we all get hung up on yes. is like you pull can down need that, yeah. but not like that. Yeah. You can need that, but not like that. Right. Is what we get stuck on. We get societally tricked. Yeah. We get, tricked. We get be- behavioral loop tricked. Yeah. We're like, Oh my gosh, I have my behavior goggles on instead of my need goggles on. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the top of the waves with all the choppy water instead of down below where my kids needs are. And that's where yeah. the, the Root work cause. is right? The the root cause and our calling as parents is to say, let's help our kids figure out the needs. That's the root cause of these behaviors, these wild words. Don't worry about those. Those will change over time, Mm -hmm. right? Let's focus on where they came from, which is needs. Yeah. Will you read the the thing or or paraphrase Um, it? Yeah. They said, um, raising a three and a five-year-old and they have had a challenging and conflict-filled relationship and it makes sense to tolerate and sit with a kid who's angry and not censor their speech. She doesn't want to shame her kids, right? But how does she let them know it's not okay for people to talk to them like that? The other child that's mm-hmm. go, that's happening right there. She sees a pattern of roughness from her five-year-old to her three-year-old. And she wants her three-year-old, the younger one, who's receiving all of this roughness and abusive language, quote unquote, to know that no one has the right to touch her or talk to her in an abusive way. Mm-hmm. How does she stand up for the younger child and make sure she's not normalizing people talking like that and also be there for the older child to process the feelings that they can't yet express adaptively, right? And she says, isn't it problematic to say, oh, that's how people express big feelings. They're just mad and that's why they're talking to you like that. Where do you draw the line? What's the difference between a kid pinching another kid, which requires us stepping in and a kid saying, I'm going to cut you in half. Isn't emotional and verbal violence equally problematic to physical violence, right? So what do we do? What does this mom do? I don't, I don't think of either of them as problematic. And I think that in both of those situations, our goal is to support, but we support a little bit differently. And that's like such an amazing question when our kids are hurting each other versus when our kids are emotionally, verbally sparring with each other. What what is our approach in those two moments? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think when, when they're, when they're getting in there physically, our job is to help stop and support as, as best we can. Keep everyone safe. Keep everybody safe, right? I see you trying to hit them. I'm going to cre- try to create some space. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm going to pull you off his face. Okay. Or, and then we dive into mediation. We dive right. into needs. And I think that with verbal uh, mm-hmm. assaults from a three-year-old or five-year-old to a three-year-old or an older kid to a younger kid, generally mm-hmm. speaking, we also want to create safety. And safety isn't necessarily saying you can't say that 
Just like we would say, I can't let you pinch her mm-hmm. or hit her or hurt her, right? Mm-hmm. Safety is, is, can be something else with words. Mm-hmm. And I think it's still awareness creating, right? And we, it still needs focusing, yeah. right? We can talk about a few examples really quickly before we dive into other folks' things. But I think that let's say a five-year-old says, I want to cut you in half to a three-year-old, right? Yeah. What do we do? What, how would we go about that, yeah. Cal? When an older child is <clears throat> verbally abusing a younger child, how do we hold space for that older child's feelings mm-hmm. and say they're normal to have underneath? Yeah. But how do we uh, see to that younger child as well and not uh, kind of condone that abusive language? Yeah, I think so much of it too is about how the younger one is experiencing it. If they don't think it's a big deal, we might be like, okay, maybe it's not a big deal. But if, if they're like, she said this, <gasps> then we could never be friends again. We end up fear spiraling and being like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And saying, you can't say that. Right. Right. And it, I think in those moments that we get kind of sucked in down what we call down the rabbit hole, um, we can end up kind of empowering the language, empowering the words, mm-hmm. showing our younger kid, she means that. Oh my gosh. When we turn to the older one and say, you can't say that. You don't mean that. We're, we're saying, I believe that you mean it. And you can't say that to this little one, right? So much of, of this role in, in kind of mediating and being that sensitive support staff between siblings is, is realizing that it, that we're speaking to both of them. Every time we speak to each of them, mm-hmm. every time we talk to the older one or the quote unquote aggressor, the younger one is hearing and learning something. Every time we talk to the younger one, the older one is hearing and, and learning something about themselves in that one too, mm-hmm. right? So how would we kind of play that out, Hannah? I think we would we would say something like, I mean, we translate. I think mm-hmm. a huge part of our role is not judge, jury, policing, language, doing those things. Mm-hmm. That doesn't actually help. Mm-hmm. We want to translate and help, again, understand those needs. When kids understand their needs, they're more able to meet them before they hit their limit and say mean things and, and do challenging things, mm-hmm. right? So we want to help build awareness. And our vibe is everything to say safety. Mm-hmm. People are struggling. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You can hold space for this. You can sit through this. That doesn't mean you should deal and be dumped on, but mm-hmm. you can sit for a minute and check this out, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to make this a safe, neutral, um, generally neutral yeah. association space so that we can work and learn right. and process together. Yeah. Someone right. says, have them analyze the situation, ask them to elaborate more about that. Yes. So you can ask a question. You can say, oh, you want to cut them in half. Are you feeling frustrated? at your three-year-old sister, you're feeling frustrated right now. Is that what you mean? Right. And so the, the three-year-old is hearing, Oh, sister's frustrated, mm-hmm. right? We're not actually saying you want to cut her in half. That's terrible. The three-year-old's going like, Oh my God, she wants to cut me in half. So we're translating five-year-old speak mm-hmm. for this three-year-old. They're not adults. This is not in the workplace that we're mm-hmm. dealing with right now. We're talking child talk right now. So we're mm-hmm. translating, we're getting underneath the words, that their brains are doing the best yeah. they can to, uh, to explain. That requires right. us to float above the situation for a moment. Yeah. <clears throat> Take a beat, right? Mm-hmm. And then say, okay, what's actually happening here? One of them took the other toy away and they're frustrated about it. Right. So it's not, when you say you want to cut her in half, it sounds like you didn't like that she took that away. Is that right? Am I getting that right? Yeah. Or it sounds like she's getting up in what? your stuff. Is that what's going right. on? Mm-hmm. You And then to the little one, you wanted to get in there and she didn't like that. We're so neutral. We're just reflecting what we see in here, right. not just exactly, but a little bit more nuanced. Basically mm-hmm. what we would hope that they would say. We're not we're wanting saying. to like lead the witness, but we're trying to say, how about that? 
get me, get clear. Is that right? Tell me more. Yeah. Is that how you're feeling? So we're showing security, which is what all kids need, especially when they're struggling or being mm-hmm. assaulted right by another yeah. sibling. We're saying security to the five-year-old that they're feeling what they're feeling mm-hmm. security to the three-year-old that they're hearing what they're hearing. Right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so great that this parent is saying, I want my child to have free speech. We believe that our kids get to say anything they want in the safe space of our home so that we can be working on, like you said, Hannah, skill building, awareness, self-awareness, yeah. figuring out what they were needing, why they said that, what were they going through, not shutting it off at the behavior. Mm-hmm. We want to go beyond that when we're able, right. not always. We don't have to go into a fear spiral that they're going to say these things to mm-hmm. other people outside the home. They're saying yeah. it here because it's safe. Mm-hmm. They're saying, I'm assuming this is safe, mom, you're a safe place, dad, person. Can I just be myself and express myself right now? And can you help me? Yeah. I need help. That's what our kids are, are, yeah. are the, the hardest is when they really need help. But I think us. this is something that a lot of progressive parents who've been working on giving their kids this freedom yeah. struggle with, which is saying, but the aftermath, this other child is hearing this, the neighbor, the play date, the sibling is hearing this. And I don't want to be conditioning them to think they can be a doormat mm-hmm. or choose relationships where they're verbally abused. <clears throat> so let's say that this five-year-old says, I want to cut you in half to the three-year-old and they're upset. And they're, and and we translate, Mm -hmm. we say, Oh, you're sounding upset about whatever. Is that right? Can we, we're facilitating conversation. We're raising awareness. We're using different words that they'll eventually use with more awareness and and calm. Right. But what, let's say the the three-year-old does not like saying that the five to hearing that the five-year-old wants to cut her in half. And you can say, you're not liking that the, that your sister's saying that to you. And you can say, you can coach her then. You can say, you can tell her you don't like that. You could tell her what you'd rather hear. Mm-hmm. You, you know? can step out. And you do you want to get some space? Like, mm-hmm. it looks like this older sister is struggling a little bit. Yeah. If you're not liking that, I'm going to teach you a boundary, mm-hmm. right? You can go and take some space. Do you want to come with me over here yeah. and we'll get you set up with whatever? That's so amazing. Right? Those moments of verbal aggression from one kid to another. We can turn to the quote unquote aggressor and process what they're going through right. so they can be learning these other words, these other phrases, not and calm it, not choose <laughs> these words instead, say this instead, use these words, change no. your words. No. But this is what I'm hearing because I have 20, 30, 40 years on you right. and understand Right. And then we can turn to the younger one, the quote unquote victim and say, oh my gosh, what is this person going through? We can perspective take, but we can also say, you've got boundaries. If you want them, Mm -hmm. you can say, you can't stop them from saying what it is. That's putting a limit on a person. That's really tricky, Mm -hmm. right? They're going through what they're going through, but you can set a personal boundary. That's where your power lies. Mm -hmm. You have personal power here. Three-year-old with your five-year-old sister. You can say, I don't like that. You can say, Can you explain to me instead, which my son says now he tells his older sister when she gets a little too rough. She said, he says, I don't understand you when you do that, Mm -hmm. because I've been saying for so long to, to him, you're not understanding her when she screams. I under, I am so sorry that's happening. And and that conversation can happen in the moment with our younger kid Mm -hmm. who's being verbally abused, or it can happen later in a circle back in our trust step of our resist approach. This morning was earlier. When, when your sister was it's yelling tricky. at you and said she'd never be friends with you or she wanted to cut you in half. Oh, what was she going through? That was rough. Yeah. How was that for you? Yeah. How, did, how, did, how were you feeling? Uh, right. Do you feel like maybe you needed a little space? Do you feel like maybe it would have felt good to say, I don't want to hear that right now. Mm-hmm. What, we're so neutral. 
what would help? What would help you feel a little bit better? You and your relationship with your sibling. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a huge part of this puzzle when we're so triggered Mm -hmm. and worried about our kids' sibling relationship is saying, it's not about me. I'm not going to center myself and all of my fears and all of my own personal baggage as a sibling or Mm non-sibling. I'm going to support my kids as a mediator about their relationship, which they own. And guess what? Remembering in the back of our minds that conflict is where growth happens, that they must have conflict, that they must get their Mm -hmm. feelings hurt to understand what it likes, what it feels like to have your feelings hurt. They must uh, inflict pain, right? And see what that looks like on another person. It's all okay. It's okay. But it's also just a reminder to us that, and a huge load off, I think, in sibling conflicts, which we explore in our sibling conflict guide that's on sale this week (laughs) um, in our shop, that we don't have to fix it. We don't have to control their language. We don't have to explain away why one person said something or dig in and say, why did you do that? We don't have to be that person. We don't have to be the, the referee, the hall monitor, the police, any of those things. We can just be a sensitive, neutral support staff, right? Between two people and trust in the fact that this is a process. This is a practice that's important. Like you said, Han, that's going to see them through. And especially we can touch on really quick, not going to be generating victim and aggressor cycles. Mm -hmm. We think that our kids perpetuate those cycles, but they don't. We affirm those. We perpetuate those cycles by saying you're being a bully or she hurt you. I don't know why she did that. Why would she do that? Mm -hmm. Right? We are, we are the, the lens. We are the voice that our kids carry to understand what people are going through how to advocate for themselves, how to move through conflict. And we want to empower both of our children. And by doing victim and aggressor, we're disempowering them both because it's too binary. It's too rigid. It's too one-sided. You know, remember back to that thing, a conflict is two people's needs getting met. It doesn't matter who did what or who said what first. Mm -hmm. It's all part of this interaction, right? This magic. And we want our kids, we want to equip them with the skills that they can actually have a, 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 a disagreement or a struggle and feel safe in it to see it through to the other side instead of having to elevate it and escalate it or yeah. run away from it. We don't want them to go into fight or flight mode every time they have a conflict or to need us every time. Yeah. So everything we do is saying, can I calm myself enough in the moment? We can't always, mm-hmm. right? That's okay. To just be there and create a safety, a sense of safety and security so they can figure out what those needs were and do a little digging, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not stress so much about what, how the younger one is taking this. We take that lead mm-hmm. and in, in normalizing yeah. conflict and normalizing, um, empath, empathy and looking beneath people's behaviors, that's going to help our kid in tandem with the boundary setting and advocating for themselves. So we don't just want to raise kids that are like, what's that person going through? Who's walking all over me. I'm just going to take it. Cause they're probably struggling. Cause they, you know, they're human too. That's half of it. Mm-hmm. And the other half is saying, okay, now how do I feel about it? Mm-hmm. What am I going to put up with? What am I okay with in this situation, in this relationship, in this interaction, in this conflict, in this struggle, right? And, and, and so those two things. Yeah. And we help our kids figure that out or we figure it out between our kid and us. And mm-hmm. we get to set those boundaries also. Mm-hmm. I, I've been so just blown away by our, our kids who are finally at that point now where they go and repair with one another and say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm sorry I yelled at you or hit you over the head or stole that thing. This is what I was needing. And the other one says, oh, blah, 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 I'm, it's okay. Like, this is what I was needing. And they make a joke. Mm-hmm. We've never forced any of those things. We've literally just modeled them mm-hmm. over and over again. And so with sibling challenges, we'll just go to the other sibling and say, 
I'm so sorry that happened. And we're basically modeling what we, the other sibling will eventually do. And then we go to the other sibling and say, what was going on for you? How was it going? Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. What were you needing? Oh, so you were needing this and you said this instead. Oh, all of this stuff we're rewriting. We're creating a script that they understand with no shame, with no blame, right? With no, um, like worry, right? Or stress yeah. with the confidence, with clarity, right? But it's compassion, but it's also not a script. And I think we talk often about tearing mm. up the scripts that mm. we've either been programmed and conditioned to use. Yeah. It's been like, you know, generation on generation, here you go, here's it's this script. script. <laughs> or, you know, just tearing that up and saying, let's start fresh. Let's think about this parenting thing as an improv routine, mm. right? You do something. I'm noticing. I do something trying to make it interesting and better, right? I'm not, I'm not roadblocked by you. I'm not taken aback by you. I'm not telling I'm you what to say. I'm recognizing that this isn't cast in stone. This isn't handed out in sheets to everybody and stapled and you have to do it verbatim. This is two humans, three humans, five humans living in this beautiful, magical improv steps, right? Of noticing each other and reacting and trying to keep keep the balls in the air, keep things moving along, keep things connective and interesting. There's right? a, a magic and a vulnerability in that and not yeah. knowing what's going to happen and letting go in that way and saying, I'm not directing all of this with my kids, yeah. especially with my siblings and their, and their challenges. I'm just creating a safe stage where no one falls through it mm-hmm. or where something, you know, a gaff, whatever drops but, on their I hands. Mean, how often right? are you like all of a sudden in a moment, metaphorically, you're like, this is my line. I'm supposed to say this. <laughs> Seriously? That doesn't feel like in character to me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel like what my character would really want to do that's driving them. Like, mm-hmm. why would I say that? We've got this cultural conditioning that's feeding us these scripts that we don't believe in and that we don't have to be saying, that we don't have to be performing mm-hmm. to our families. We can tear those scripts up. We can be whoever we want to be. We can connect in a way that feels authentic and real, human to human, even if they're 35 years younger than us. It doesn't yeah. matter. That's our power. Thanks, Cal. I love that. Um, Mara, you said, when I've been committed to a little bit of practice per day that helps me fuel myself to show up better for my gal. So far, it's actually made me such a big, it's made such a big difference for me and my two and a half year old. She's never told me, I love you, mama, this often. Spontaneous hugs and love my way. It's like she's cheering me on. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing each that. Other on. Yeah. And I think with some kids, those, those expressions of, of gratitude are less articulate and that's okay too. I look for those moments. I feed on those moments that even when my kids aren't able to say, I love you, mama, or give me a real hug. I get a little look or a little wink or I get a little like, Oh, thank you. Or a little walk by with a little touch. Right? We can be looking for those moments and, and beyond that, we can be trying to extend those little moments of gratitude to our kids. Not that I'm going to hug you and kiss you goodbye or good night um, or thanks for clearing your fucking plate. We feel really grateful about these things, but trying to get those little moments, those little pockets of, I see you, I'm grateful for you. And noticing when our kids give those to us that don't mm-hmm. look like necessarily, I love you. Like mm-hmm. those are great. Oh my God. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. our kids show us that they love us and trust us in so many ways if we open our eyes to see that, right? Even with the hard feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you said, Angelique, I'm going to listen to this one million times. This is so helpful, even for my interactions with my coworkers and spouse. Love you, ladies. Lindsay, you two are gems. You're a gem. 
Amy, you said, as a parent of an only child, can these sibling lessons be learned just through parental modeling? Love that question. They're, yes. They're all interpersonal modeling. Yeah. So if a, a parent and a child are running our resist approach or another kind of non-violent communication style through an interaction or a conflict, you're doing the exact same thing yeah. as you would be facilitating it between two people. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It's all the same, right? It's between children. It's Grown up to grown up, it's grown up to child. If anything, you have more control in some ways, just the relationship between you and your child yeah. than you do trying to mediate between siblings. It's a lot of work, it's, it's really hard. It pays off and it's awesome because you're like, oh gosh, they're two um, kind of uh, like, um, I'm totally agendas at play. Yeah, yeah, like it's really tricky. Yeah. Um, with you or with a partner, you can also work with your partner and your child and say, oh, dad, you're struggling with bedtime right now. Mm -hmm. You're so tired from today and you're needing teeth brushing because it's after seven. Mm -hmm. And then you, three-year-old, you're needing this. Like you can do it with anybody. You can do it with a grandparent, a friend, yeah. or yourself. Yeah. It's interesting seeing where those kind of stressors and triggers pop up for each of us. Some of us are like, I can take any verbal abuse me, but don't do it to the baby. They're just a little baby. <laughs> and others are like, oh, they're siblings. They'll work it out. But don't talk to your mom that way. Mm -hmm. Right? It's so different for everyone. Yeah, but we've all got our pain points and our our yeah. pressure points to unearth and uh, explore yeah. and dismantle. <laughs> uh, Angelique, you said, when those conflicts arise over a shared something, like a toy between mm -hmm. siblings, do you insert your own boundaries? So when do you insert your own boundaries? Do you take it away, make rules about the toy? What to do if they are still just tearing at one another over it? Mm. Oh yeah, we talk about this in our sibling guide, our sibling conflict guide, which is in our shop, and I think it's on sale today. Oh, this week. Yeah. Um, so check it out. But I think that, um, oh my gosh, what's our role, right? It's not when it's about a thing and it's not just verbal thing. stuff. And so a boundary, we have to remember it's boundaries are personal limits are about another person. So a boundary when our kids are fighting would be our boundaries are limitless, <laughs> right? Our limits can't be everything, right? We can't put limits on other people. That turns us into scary policing, right? Over controlling, controlling people that we don't want to be. Right. So, so much of our work is figuring out what is a limit I can actually put, right. grabbing them out of the road if they're mm -hmm. running in, right? Something like that. Mm -hmm. Taking the phone away would be a, a physical limit or a toy, like you said. Boundaries are about you can't crawl on me. I'm needing some space because the yelling, I need to step outside. And we usually try and set a personal boundary before we try to limit another human being because mm -hmm. limiting humans, those little humans show us they don't like being limited. They have that strong sense of resistance within them, yeah. right? That we want to nurture, not extinguish. So we usually model really good boundaries. Oh, you're wanting to scream. Could you go outside to do that, please? That would be great. If they don't want to do it, if they can't, mm -hmm. right? Because they're kids with smaller brains, then we say, and we model boundaries. I'm gonna go in the other room, right? But when it comes to siblings who are fighting over a toy, mm -hmm. what we wanna model is we could limit them and say, you give the toy to this person, mm -hmm. you have one minute each. Um, it was his first and do all of these rule things, but they're not actually building any skills or awareness, right? Or personal boundaries. So yeah. that's what we wanna be helping them to build and to say, you got a toy, you were holding on to it, you, you're having it until you're done with it. So usually we don't have time limits on toys. We say whoever's with it has it as long as they want and then, but we do have some certain toys belong to a certain person. Mm -hmm. And those are the times that that's great. That kind of delineation gives us the freedom to yeah. say, but oh, it's theirs. Oh, I took won. it. Can we work it out still? 
a deal something and then the older one's like no just give it back seriously though mm -hmm. right then that limit has to happen gotta give it back because it's theirs we have right. a few items each for all of our kids that are just like don't touch <clears> that <throat> right boundaries yeah yeah right and so then we say we have to give it back but most of the time we say we just help them work it out yeah. work the feelings work the needs it's such a big ask to say <clears throat> oh my gosh so when my kids are fighting over a toy or the remote or whatever the, yeah. the last french fry whatever it is uh, what do we do? Who are we in this moment? It's so hard to say, we're not going to fix it. We're not going to dive in. There's no right or wrong. There's no controlling. We have to just sit in the shit. This is the situation that's happened. And that helps them learn. I think that mm -hmm. we, we often think that kids will learn when we fix it for them. Mm -hmm. You give it to them. They give it back, right? Mm -hmm. I've created this mastermind situation that's going to teach everyone exactly what they need to know. Us. And I think that when we say, oh my gosh, that's not my job anymore. My job is just to hold space and observe and mm -hmm. secure this mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. Show that conflict is okay. Validate the needs oh. over here. Validate the needs over here. You wanted that toy yeah. and he still has it. He took it out of your hands. How did that make you feel? This is mm -hmm. a learning opportunity right now. Yeah. Not a fix it, get it back to basics opportunity. We're yeah. not trying to get back to harmony. We're trying to work through this conflict so people learn, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Harmony is not our goal. I think that's one of the yeah. big beliefs we bust in our sibling conflict guide. I think so many of us, even whether we have sibling issues or just uh, behavioral and big feelings issues with our kid, I think we have this, this fundamental expectation as parents that here's where everything should be all the time. Harmony, like when they were a baby or before I even had kids and I could kind of just ride my own, you know, my own melt here a little bit. And that it's a totally flawed, unreasonable expectation. And I think so much of our, our, our practice in this, in this work is saying my expectation has to be more realistic. My expectation has to be looking at reality, formulating a plan, thinking about how I can show up the best way I can, looking at the people involved who determine the reality, mm -hmm. not my personal lens and expectation that does not determine reality. Right? <clears throat> and instead of fighting against that constantly and pushing my so reality exhausting. and pushing my expectation <laughs> and pushing these needs of mine saying, like we said before, we're all on stage. We're yeah. all participants. We can sit in this. We can ride through this. That's this not is, permissive, right? This is like any good movie or TV show. This is a story arc, whether it's a minute, whether it's five minutes, whether it's 30 minutes, whether it's two days, we're on an arc right now. We're somewhere in the middle. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get down there to that trust step where we circle back and connect and say, wow, that was hard. We made it through this thing, right? Kiss, credit roll. Yeah. Right. Um, Aaron, about your seven-year-old, <clears throat> we'll get to as soon as we finish up this sibling um, kind of thing uh, thread here. What are your thoughts on avoiding the problem at the moment and having a group meeting to analyze? Yes. Or a personal moment to analyze. We call it the circle back later. Mm -hmm. and, and so often we think that our job in the moment of kids misbehavior, defiance, resistance, big feelings is to get in there and teach. We've got to talk about it all. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Stop doing that. What are you thinking? You're this. We go into binary modes of judgment and punishment and all these things. And so much of our work here is about saying, let's cool our jets. It's going to be an okay. emergency. Our number one job is to keep everyone safe physically. Our secondary job is to be there to neutrally sit in support and de-escalate, right. create security around conflict, right. around needs. Our third job is to circle back and connect about all the things that we usually want to sweep under the rug 
or never bring up again, especially in a happy moment. This is what we talked about last week. You, Hannah, really like to connect with your daughter and your son in moments that are so happy that you think, I don't need to connect about this now. We're Just forget fine. about it. Right. And those are the moments <laughs> that we try to summon this bravery to not just forget about it or sweep it under the rug, but say, this happened. Earlier was hard. We're living in the real world now. We're calling out the elephants in the room. This is our job as brave, progressive parents. We can do it. Mm -hmm. We can't always do it, but we can do it sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. Um, someone said, can you share a particular experience of struggle related to sibling rivalry when they were toddlers? Do they really outgrow the sibling conflict and tension? That's such a great question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know this person uh, was also one of our kind of naysayers, not in a bad way at all, in a story question that we did about um, raising kids who are self, what was it? Not selfish, but uh, self-centered, mm. right? Um, so you're asking about kids outgrowing sibling rivalry. And I think just the way that we talked earlier about the victim aggressor cycle being basically constructed and reinforced by us as the parents, mm -hmm. right? We don't need to be perpetuating those things. Um, and I think that connecting to a little bit of our, our stuff from earlier, um, <clears throat> in terms of our kids being self-centered, whether they're in a sibling dynamic or not, it's something that we touch on often that we want to be centering our kids on themselves. And that's not a selfish thing. It's where the learning takes place in these yeah. early years. We're that incubator, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, sibling rivalry will continue if we don't support and focus on the needs that drive the behavior. The self-centering, right? Really right. self-centering. Yeah. If we're constantly talking about the behaviors and what's right and wrong and who did what and who is the victim and who is the aggressor, that's what they're learning to believe about their relationship with their sibling, their relationship with other people, right? Mm -hmm. And when we instead set that aside and focus on what were you needing? What were you needing? And keep them safe, right? Oh, you don't like that. What could you do? You don't like that. What's next? I'm mm -hmm. here to support. That's what they learn about siblings. And siblings are one of the first relationships they have. They're mm -hmm. one of the most intimate relationships besides their relationship with us. And it's a beautiful opportunity for mm -hmm. them to feel confident and open about saying, I'm human. You're human. We're just figuring these things out. Mm -hmm. Not... I must survive and be on top, yeah. right? We don't want to be perpetuating these power over dynamics with siblings yeah. through our support and in connecting back to those moments that we talked about binary language. It's not win, lose, either, mm -hmm. or, and we, Good, we, we, click into those, nice. we click into those moments as parents, victim, aggressor, all those things. And if we can be trying to um, connect our kids to the fluidity of relationships, nothing's good or bad. Nothing's right or wrong. And, you know, all of those things, we can be helping them realize everyone's human. Everyone's trying to meet their needs. Everyone's doing the best they can with the skills and the strategies that they have. Yeah. Right. If we can keep focusing on that, it's, it's yeah. the work. Betty and Aaron, we'll get to you in a second. Mara says, I'm really finding these chats motivate me to stay curious in hard moments of parents uh, and take my triggering moments as an opportunity to self-reflect and grow so I can evolve as a parent. Yes, I'll never be perfect, but seeing the growth in my parenting path is so important to me and for my daughter. I love that. Yeah. Amy, you said, um, oh, you had a win. Someone else said, thank you. You said, thank you so much. Thank you. Amy, I wanted you, you said, uh, win. I think this is a win, you say. I feel proud of my three and a half year old today. He gets very frustrated and is a thrower. <laughs> Everything gets tossed. 
Today, in a moment of frustration, he had a moment of pause to tell me his feelings were ramping up before the throw. Oh my God. He said, I'm feeling like I may need to throw this. It's a work in progress as we innovate ways to handle frustration. But I was so proud of him noticing his escalation in the moment. He also caught himself in a moment of frustration today. And I heard him say, take a deep breath. And then he did. <laughs> oh my oh gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> what a testament to the, our voice becoming our kids in our voice yeah. and, and helping focusing on de-escalation and self-regulation, yeah. not in a punitive way, like calm down. Don't say that. Go to your quiet corner. But in a, which is saying stop, yeah. feeling, stop, needing, stop being who you are. Yeah. But saying, what are you needing? Oh, a deep breath. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, it seems like you're feeling frustrated. <sighs> I feel like you're ramping up oh, a little bit. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm you're noticing. And when I say I'm noticing you're struggling, that's helping our kids notice, notice that they're struggling. Right. I'm, I'm wondering if a couple of deep breaths could help. That's I'm going to take one. That's Ooh. putting the pin into our kids though. I wonder if a couple of deep breaths could help, right? Everything we model for our kids is what they learn. It cycles back so much into a, like a huge concept that we bring into all of these lives and podcast episodes is saying the way we teach, the way we discipline our kids is what they learn. It's not just the don't do this, do this, say this, be nice to this. Don't touch that thing. It's notice who I am. Notice me as your leader as your inspirational person as your interbrain attachment figure notice everything i'm doing and the way i'm doing it right and that's why our tone matters so much as parents that's why our inflection matters that's why our apologies matter when we can't Mm -hmm. our apologies are everything our circle backs are our superpower um if you're here you're doing the work and we're so grateful for you Yep. Big words is our last thing that I just wanted to touch on before we um, dive off here. Someone said, seven-year-old has these scripts when he's really mad. It's really extreme. Like, I want to die or kill me. He digs in and insists he really means it. And I worry it will become his inner dialogue. And that's so worrisome and hard. And you can always connect to another professional to talk about those things. But Mm -hmm. it's also like that's within the age range based on our experience Mm -hmm. where it's very dramatic. We we don't necessarily believe those things are true. If you feel like they might be, you can always talk to somebody and get professional help. But generally speaking, kids are like, they're like the tabloids. It's like, mm-hmm. take one you little thing always, and truth, you never up there, right? Yeah. And I think our response can be acknowledging it without mm-hmm. condoning it or, or encouraging it, yeah. right? It can be validating it rather than minimizing it. And, and it's so much about it is checking in with our fear and our worry, which we can do outside that moment, yeah. not in that moment with our child when they're needing us. Yeah. So we want to think, wait, I'm serving my child. My job right now is to serve my child in this moment. Yeah. And that's and, my responsibility when ser- I can. And serve them, not in terms of saying, you don't want to die. You don't, don't want to say, say that. that. Not in, a, in, a, in a, right. an embodiment that rejects their reality. But says yes, not no. Right. It says I hear you, not I don't want to hear this. It's too scary for me. <laughs> so we'd say, oh my gosh, yes, you sound so upset. What can I do to help you? What do you need right mm-hmm. now? And so we just get to. We don't pay attention Tell to me the about words. today. Tell me about that thing that happened. Tell oh. me more. 
Thank you for sharing that with me. Validate the shit out of it because validating it isn't saying, I want you to kill yourself. I I totally agree with you right now. It's saying I'm here with you and you're safe in these feelings, whatever they are, whether they're very particularly extreme or they're very vaguely extreme. And you know, like kids have very extreme feelings. It sounds like a very sensitive child to us, but that asks us to take all of the, the barbs and the, gnarls and the pokies out of what they're saying and just set them aside so that it's less personally triggering for and us to say suffering. Let's, let's just push call that it. aside. I will talk about it yeah. with my therapist or my partner about how scared I am or their doctors. Right? right. And I'm going to look just at this, this message of suffering, of needing help, of needing validation and coming to me, yeah. th- their attachment figure and being so honest to say, ugh. These things are bothering me so much that I'm going to get this extreme. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for telling me that. I want to hear more. I'm here for you. Think about moments as an adult or a child or an adolescent that you didn't get that from someone when you needed it. I can think of moments in the last five years Mm -hmm. where I got it or didn't get it from anyone from a two-year-old to a 70-year-old. Those moments of someone either saying, oh, but this, or don't feel this, or, but it's fine because this, or somebody saying, I see you. Mm. Oh, yes. I hear you. Tell me more. Oh. Tell me more. This is a safe place. Yeah. I got all day. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to center myself in this. I'm not going to say, you lean on well, me. Right? I, this, or when this happened to me, I, blah, 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 blah. But, but saying, this is about you. you. I'm keying into a moment with my child and saying, I'm not going to center myself. I don't have to fix this. I don't have to deal with anything other than making them feel seen and heard. That's it. And with the the trust that helping our children feel seen and heard is helping them heal, is helping them move forward process and process. Creating safety is more, it's not permission. It's not um, like indulgent. Mm -hmm. It's actually a healing practice holding space for another person. I love that. It's not delaying. It's not a time tactic. It is the most productive thing we can do when our kids say and do really scary things mm-hmm. is to validate and hold space for that, right? And say, you, yes, yeah, I'm here. You're safe in this moment. And safety is what creates growth, right? Yeah. And then those moments when we can't and we're like, this is freaking the shit out of me. Or I can't don't feel like that. Ah, you love school. Or, oh my gosh, but you, grandma's the best. You have to go there. And, right. and, and then later in the night, we're thinking, oh gosh, I wonder how much I was validating. Did I? They talked a little bit. I talked most of the time. Um, okay. Okay. So okay. tomorrow morning at breakfast, it's okay. I'm going to get in there and I'm I'm going to call out that elephant in the room. I'm going to call out that fear that they have, that stress they have, that thing that makes me feel so freaked out. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bravely say, I didn't get to show up the way I wanted. Script rewrite. Right. Tear it up. <laughs> I heard you when you said X, Y, Z that scared the shit out of me. And I'm sorry I didn't show up the way I wanted to. Is If you want to tell me more, I'm here. Now, later, whenever, I want to be that safe place that you come to tell me the things that you're feeling like are a struggle. Next time, I'm a Mm -hmm. whatever. I'm going to listen more. Yeah. Right? I'm going to ask more questions. I'm going to take a deep breath because I just want you to be so happy all the time. And I know that's not realistic. Yeah. This is what's going on in your head a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Betty, you said, thank you for addressing freedom of speech at the last live session in response to my sharing about my four-year-old son who started saying shut up to me and my husband. Are we supposed to address the language at a circle back and let them know there's a different way to express his feelings? My husband was clearly triggered when my son yelled, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. And he was very stern with my son and told him he couldn't say those words to him. And my son ended up crying. Yeah. I think it just, it tells And she said, I'm just not sure. Sorry. No, I'm just not sure how to respond to the hurtful words. Do we just let them express without addressing the hurtful words? This is a three-year-old. Yes. Yes. If if we ever address the hurtful words with any kid, discussing that impact, right? We're conditioned to say socialization before self-awareness. Yeah. And they're, they're equal, if not, so self-awareness might even be a greater skill to have than being socialized in that moment, yeah. right? But we're conditioned to say, you can't say that. When you do that, here's the impact. And that's our focus naturally. That's cart before the horse. Yeah. yeah. With little kids who are building brains, who want to be in a safe psychological space while they're experimenting with behaviors Learning. and words and, and growth. We want to always say, when you say this, I'm hearing this. And we're translating what we want them to say eventually. That's enough. That's enough. At the very worst, maybe in the sibling conflict yeah. or with a partner. Or, I wonder if dad was, was, was feeling, having some feelings about the way you talked to him. I'm not sure. I'm neutral. Or when you told your sister you wanted her to die, I saw her start to cry a little bit. I wonder how she was feeling. We're neutral. We're, we're relaying these things to say, how can we perspective take? I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to blame you. That's how people don't learn, Mm -hmm. right? People learn in a safe place where they can check in with themselves. What was I going through? The answer's in here. How might that have landed, right? Think about any time you feel like you've gotten in trouble and work from there, right? Beyond Limits family, we love you. Says holding space has serious positive rippling effects. Yes, it does. Jessica, Jessica, you said my eight-year-old daughter is going through those dramatics when I validate. She screams, shut up. I'm so confused. Yes. That's something we talk about almost every episode. The kids who scream, shut up up or ignore. When um, we're trying to validate, we're working so hard, working our respectful parenting game. Or I hear you or whatever it is, especially for those families who maybe haven't had that much experience in validating and their kids haven't had that much experience in hearing their parents reflect their feelings, support their feelings in those struggling moments. Maybe they'd punish those feelings instead. That can be a little bit new. And for some highly sensitive kids, that can be all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Last episode, check that out. We have a moment where we talk about uh, ways that we can be supporting our kids non-verbally. So our kid is wigging out instead of saying, you wanted that, or I hear you, honey. You seem really upset right now. The second we hear them say, no, or I'm not mad, or shut up, or stop talking. We take that as a cue, a non-subtle cue, a very obvious cue, to dial it back a little bit and find ways to support a little bit more neutrally, a little bit more with nuance. Non-verbal. We nod a lot. Research shows helps the other person's brain to feel safe. Nodding. Sometimes you go, mm-hmm. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or okay. 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 I'm here. Okay. Or I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Or totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
<clears throat> someone's requesting to hop on. I wish we had video. time. Yeah. Oh, maybe at the beginning of next live, that would be great. Um, but yeah, I think send that, us a DM. Yeah, but I think that making sure that I think that with sensitive kids and especially mm -hmm. with older kids or with kids who've had a, a, a like ten and twelve year old. Yes, someone yes. asked, especially with those older kids who've been conditioned a certain way up to a point and who are just older. They don't want to be told how to feel. I think with our two like, and don't three tell and four me what year olds, you say, oh, you're upset, you're frustrated. And they can't be like, you're patronizing me. This is un like unnecessary. Older yeah. kids are going to, they have that individuation at that point. Mm -hmm. They have that separation. So that point where they can say, don't put words in my mouth, mom, that's mm -hmm. all healthy resistance. It's okay. Yeah. And so our, our approach that therefore needs to be a lot more subtle a lot more nuanced, a lot more respectful as far as how much effort we put out versus how much they're putting out. Yeah. So nodding more, just exuding a sense of calm and safety can go so far with our yeah. older kids, eight, nine, 10, 11, Or 12. lobbing out, yeah. I'm, I'm here to talk about it if you wanna talk, right? Or right. if you wanna hear what I can do for you or what I'm thinking you're going through and how I can support you, I'm here. <clears throat> I'm gonna be doing right. dishes or I'll be outside, but. Right. Come those, get me if you those want to older talk. kids, you can communicate that yeah. and say, I'm over here. I'm totally here for you. I'm sorry this is happening. You're going through this. I'm here. Or I'll be over here. Or you can write them a note. That's the great mm -hmm. thing about older kids yeah. too. We, like, they can fucking read. They can read. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could write them a note later and say, I'm so sorry about what happened earlier. What can I do next time to show up for you? I'm going to draw a funny drawing here <laughs> to lighten this load here. And Little arrow. You sitting on my head. Cat right. sitting on Love you. mom. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, humor goes a long way, right? But just your, our kids tell us what they need from us. They are the, the most beautiful feedback for us. They're not mm -hmm. saying what we're doing is wrong. They're not saying that, um, this is all messed they're up. The, they're the guiding light. They're the guiding light. Yeah. They're the North star. Like, right. That's how it is with relationships. The two person thing. We get feedback. They get feedback. We get feedback. They get feedback. Mm -hmm. We have more power and privilege. So we have to be a little more careful yeah. about our feedback to them but their feedback needs to be open and free and yeah. giving if we want it to continue, right? Yeah, so we wanna be careful with their feedback and saying, yes, feedback. And I'm gonna work so hard to digest that patiently and com with compassion yeah. and grace, because if I continue to shut down my kids' feedback about my agenda, they're gonna stop giving yeah. feedback. They're gonna stop connecting. We don't want that to happen. There right? was a great post today on Instagram on Latinx parenting. You should follow them if you haven't already. They're an amazing resource yeah. for, for respectful parenting, shattering these and interrupting these culturally conditioned ways of parenting, spanking, yelling, all of these things that we've been so conditioned to do. And uh, the post said something like, if we say, you can't talk to me about this thing, then wouldn't we rather be saying, if you're struggling, I'm always here. Mm -hmm. And I think in the, these moments we think, well, if they're struggling about this thing that's between us, I'm going to shut it down. But if they're struggling with someone else, I want to hear if they're at a party or they have an issue with a teacher or a classmate. Our kids won't distinguish between that. They just hear, my parent doesn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. My parent doesn't want to support me when I struggle. We can't say, I'll support you when you struggle in this way, but not in this way. Right. And that's why our unconditional presence, our unconditional love when we're able, mm -hmm. obviously it's not all the time, is so vital right. because otherwise we're giving our kids mis mixed messages and we're saying, when you're like this in this place, you're going to get this thing from me. And when you're like this in this place, well, maybe I'll be more open to it. We want our kids to know that we, they can always come to us when they're struggling. 
whether it's with us, whether it's with a, a sibling, whether it's with a, a friend at school, whether it's with a teacher, a partner, mm-hmm. a boss. Right. We want to, I mean, maybe some <clears throat> of us here don't want to be that person. Maybe we're still working on our own self-reg, yeah. our own triggers, our own trauma, and that's okay, it's okay if we struggle to be that person. But ultimately, I think a lot of us have that ideal mm-hmm. of wanting to be that person when we're 80 and our kids are 50, that they'll come to us, right? And say, oh, I'm going through this thing at work. And they know they can depend on us to be that safe space to connect. Not that person who's gonna be like, well, you know what you should do? Well, why are you doing this? Or if you just this, that like- we, At that point, most kids don't tell their parents things They wouldn't. And, and I think a lot of us here wanna be that place. Mm-hmm. But it's hard in the moment and it's hard when in it's these early young. years. It's yeah. hard when their brains are growing before they're yeah. 21. It's a construction zone. And we have to keep yeah. thinking, let's put on our metaphorical hard hats yeah. and get in there whenever we can, however we can. You wear those pot This holes. is the work. It's a work zone. Those tricky zones. Right? <laughs> right? Duck when you need to. Yeah. Right? Get your lunch. Take yeah. care of yourself. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh my gosh. Mm. Oh, people are saying sweet things. Thank you for being on this ride along with us. Mm-hmm. I think, gosh, this is also tricky and we can't always do it all the time. I feel like I lost my train of thought with what you were saying, Kel, yeah. but that's all we got. If you're yeah. here, you're doing the work. If you're thinking about it, that's progress. If you're thinking about it after you did something that you're not proud of, that's progress. It's never too late. If you're connecting to, with your kid after, yeah. that's progress. It's never too late. Never, ever, ever is it too late to connect with another human being in a different way. Mm-hmm. Our brains are wired for connection. They will find that connection. They will recircuit, retrain. Yeah. And that's the work we're doing as we're building our kids' brains, as we're rewiring our own. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard work to be doing both of those things. And we see you and we validate you. Yeah. It's a lot. You're doing an amazing job. Yeah. And I think. Often we feel compelled to look at our kids as like, oh, they're doing this to me. Oh, they're pushing me. Yes, they're pushing us. Actually pushing us in a really great way when we can look at it that way and feel that way and summon that vision of our kids helping us grow up ourselves, right? We can grow up alongside our kids when they are showing us their hardest sides. It's revealing the hard sides of ourselves that we can be shoring up. Those, those pockets that we can be working on. Softening. I've never been more patient than I've been since becoming a parent. I've never been more empathetic yeah. than I've been since becoming a parent or innovative or respectful or loving or um, open to someone else's ideas, right? Our kids give us this opportunity if we're willing, if we're able, if we're ready to lean in, right? If we're, we're called in to do that. That's the practice. That's the practice. We got some feedback here. Someone said, I'm nodding along with you. Um, Yes, parenting with fear is silencing. Yes, you ladies rock. Someone else said progress over perfection. Someone said, love that. Someone said, it's never too late to apologize. Never, never. Um, Someone said, our children are the best teachers. Yes. And then our mom said, and you are helping me helping your mama be a better mama and grandma too. Love you, mom. Someone else said, parenting has made me such a better teacher and thanks so much for supporting that journey. Someone said, thank you. Thank you for what you do. It's so important. So happy to be here. We're so happy to be here with you. Yes. Thank you all so much. Thanks for sharing everybody Mm -hmm. and being here and just 
growing up alongside us and doing this work and talking about these hard things. Like after our kids are in bed, like that's a lot of work. (laughs) You should be like watching Netflix and drinking wine and like going for a walk, going for a walk and doing other things. And this is, this is a lot of work. And, but it's also a really cool thing that you're saying, this is going to nurture me equally as, Mm -hmm. as those things do. Yeah. Like that can be that, uh, that personal growth can be something that's helping us feel stronger, not just pointing out our weaknesses. And that's what we hope that we are doing. <laughs> Someone's drinking wine. Okay, good. That's fine. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. Yeah. Um, express yourselves, get help, right? All the things, reach out to us, reach out to other people. Yeah. You deserve it. This is all about needs, right? Meet your needs as you meet your kids' needs. And mm-hmm. that's the hard thing. I think our kids' needs constantly come into are, conflict. are coming to, uh, into conflict and triggering needs that we're not having met. Mm-hmm. And so continuing to say, oh my gosh, thank you, child, for reminding me that I have needs too. I'm going to see him over here with this other person, this mm-hmm. therapist, this partner, this friend, this journal, this yoga class, this thing. <laughs> and I'm going to help you meet your needs as a responsible one in, in care of you, right? Yeah. yeah. For any of you um, who are diving in here with some extra questions, I'm sorry, we don't have time. So please dive into our DMs, Mm -hmm. dive into our DMs, slide into our DMs. I don't know how that goes. And let us know what's going on and um, we'll connect with you. We'll bring you into this next uh, next week's live Q&A. Yeah, someone yeah. said that the, their toddler is having a lot of meltdowns, trying to be patient and show up, but yeah. it's triggering, which we totally get. How can I understand him better? And that's that's the name of the game, that question right there. Yeah. How can you understand him better? And I think it's just showing up unconditionally when you're able to say, what do you need? To hold space for those big feelings, to think about the ways that we might have um, kind of contributed to a meltdown or, or maybe prevented it earlier, not by saying, don't feel this. I'm giving you these things instead, but working on their self-regulation, working on, um, getting their sensory systems needs met. We talk about this in a lot of other episodes, ways to get those wiggles out, purge that stress from our kids so that they do it laughing instead of crying Mm -hmm. or our Um, big feelings guide, which is on sale this week talks about that as well. And I think that's the thing I was going to mention earlier where I was like, Oh my gosh, late night brain fart. Um, but, um, saying that security is all our kids need. We, we don't need to do anything else. Our babies, when they cried, we picked them up, we held them, right? We showed security. Same goes for our toddlers, Mm -hmm. our kids, their crying looks different. Now it looks like meltdowns, toddler meltdowns. It looks like throwing things. It looks like being mean to a sibling, eye rolling, right? All those things, Mm -hmm. but it's the same thing. It's still crying inside right? Our toddlers, our kids, our adolescents are crying inside when they do all of these things and they're asking us to show up for them as best we can, the same way we did when they were a baby and we held them. So how can we hold them, right? With our Mm -hmm. presence, with our face, with our vibe, with Mm -hmm. our words, right? That's all we need to do. We don't have to fix anything or do anything. Oftentimes with babies, we couldn't fix anything or do anything. We could just hold them and hold space. And that's all they needed. And, and same goes with our kids and same goes with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just need safety, security, that space together. Safe Love space. It. Thanks for being here, everyone. We will see you next Thursday. Bye.